I think too many people are reluctant to make decisions in case they get it wrong and their board of directors or somebody might judge them harshly. Completely against that because no matter how old you are, how much experience you've had, you should always be learning. And that's the way that I learn by making a call and getting it wrong. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for Real Estate Industry Sales Professionals, Property Managers and Leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest today is the agency group Chief Executive Officer, Jeff Lucas. With a distinguished track record of leadership and more than 25 years commercial experience, Jeff uses his background in accounting and finance to develop and execute strategies for growth. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Sam, for having me today. It's amazing to have you. I think this is probably the first time we've chatted since since you moved into that new role as CEO of the agency. And I guess for people that don't know you, there's probably like two in the industry or something like that that don't know who you are. But for that very small group of people, can you give us a bit of background on yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm not probably one of the youngest people in the industry, so background could take a little while. But look, I used to be able to say that I'm not really from the real estate industry, but I've spent the best part of the last 12 years in the industry. Disclosures up front, I'm an accountant by trade. That was my professional training and my university degree. And I guess the background to my career has been pretty much working in growth businesses and leading growth businesses, utilizing that, the accounting background and, and leading industries. I've been in seven or eight different industries. The one prior to real estate was, was financial services. And then about 12 years ago, as I said, I, I was introduced to the McGrath business. And that's where I came across a fellow by the name of Matt LaHood, uh, who I'm working with now. But no, my background has always been in leading businesses and, and in growing businesses, um, working with founders a lot and identifying opportunities for businesses to grow in their respective industries. Again, and I'll elaborate a little bit later on why that resonates so heavily with me in this particular role at the agency. Personally, I'm married with three adult daughters who are progressively moving out of home. And so, you know, professionally, I've always been attuned to the needs and uh, and opportunities for women in the workforce as well. And real estate is is a really female centric business. So I'm also passionate about making sure that we give great opportunities to uh, the very talented women within the industry as well. Most recently, I was the, as most people probably know, I was the CEO of, uh, of McGrath. I had two stints at McGrath. One was for eight years. Then I went off into a different industry for a couple of years. And for the last three years, I was, then came back as CEO of that group and worked with the team in terms of uh, turning that business around. And uh, after finishing that particular turnaround, I took the opportunity, as I say, to, uh, to join with Matt at the agency. Actually, in awe of one of your roles sort of in the middle of all of that with, with Sonoma, wasn't it? Who are pretty famous for, for 
baking bread and things like that. I, I can't think of a reason to ever want to leave a company like that. <laughs> well, John kind of was pretty competitive. If anybody knows John McGrath, he's not a bad salesman. And when he came with an opportunity to go back in the McGrath business, that was that was compelling. That was a great opportunity, one which I'm, I remain very thankful for. However, Sonoma, what a great brand, business and set of products. I hadn't actually worked in, in food and manufacturing. I'd worked in a number of other industries, but that was a great opportunity to take what is an incredible brand. Unfortunately, during that two-year period, I put on about 12 kilos. <laughs> because you had to kind of be familiar with the products. But I remain very fond of, of that business. And it's a successful Australian business grown from, from country of, New South, of uh, New South Wales and um, a very successful founder. And I still love seeing those trucks, those beautiful big black and white trucks creeping around the streets of Sydney and also in the ACT in the early hours of the morning. Uh, those guys do a phenomenal job delivering amazing product to their various distribution points. So yeah, that was a lot of fun and some wonderful people in that business. And I'm very, very fortunate to have got some exposure to that industry. Yeah, amazing. And you're not alone in, in looking at those trucks in awe, I can assure you. So let's talk about you coming back to the agency because that was a very big announcement this year that Jeff Lucas was joining the agency. Can you elaborate a little bit on your decision to, to make the move? When I go into a new industry, and there's been seven or eight of them, I try and immerse myself in that industry as quickly as possible. And I, and I did that at McGrath and I met that the fellow that I mentioned before, Matt LaHood, and he taught me everything there is to know about the business of real estate. We had a terrific time there for a period of eight years and we grew that business very, very strongly. We probably recruited some, Sam, seven or 800 people in that time. And I saw the opportunities in the industry. You know, McGrath operates a, um, a hybrid business, both franchise and company owned, and they have assets in terms of their property management asset, financial services business. And I guess during our time there, I grew to appreciate Matt's skills, and we both looked at where we thought the future of the industry was going to be. We both left after eight years. I went off to do my bread thing. Yeah. Uh, and Matt had a vision about how he thought that real estate could be structured or real estate businesses and the industry could be structured in the future. And full credit to him with that vision, he started to pursue that. Now, like any entrepreneur and, and visionary and founder, it's not always going to pan out the way that you plan it on the spreadsheet. And they needed some additional capital along the way and they attracted a little bit of criticism for that but they stayed true to that vision. Now, I bought into that vision because I believed that the way that he had structured that business was the way that the, business, the industry was going to go in the future. And so when the opportunity came after my second stint at McGrath, I, I aligned with the vision of Matt and his co-founders. And we think that we've got a business model that is not only relatively unique, but it is also um, something that's very attractive to a very large body of both real estate agents but also principals in the way that they want to do their business into the future so really when that opportunity came up and then to rekindle the working relationship with matt probably knows more than anybody in the industry about the process of real estate of transacting real estate and about how to extract the best performance from real estate teams and agents that was really compelling. Matt and I are completely different people. He's very much around the process of real estate sales. I'm more a corporate 
strategy type person with leadership who then executes that to a corporate plan. And so the, the meshing of our skills is something that's been successful in the past and particularly given where we, we want to take this business, that was really attractive to put those skills back together again. And the last eight weeks have been terrific in doing that so far. So that was a little bit around the decisioning on, on me coming to join the agency, the opportunity that we have. Matt's referred to, you know, his his leadership talents in a number of different directions on the podcast before and that he's really all about the people and he likes to pass on the things that he doesn't particularly like so much or feels that he's not as strong at to other people such as yourself. So it just makes perfect sense, really. Yeah, and I suppose I'm reticent to use the word corporate because that sounds boring and bureaucratic, but we're very, very far from that. But I guess my experience over the last 25 years has been taking businesses for groups of owners and achieving their long-term goal and helping them with the vision of that and creating value, more value than they've got at the moment. And I guess the synthesis of our two skill sets is where we see that's going to be fulfilled here. I mean, here at the agency, we've probably got, we're a reasonably sized business, we're 400 people in total currently 300 agents, around about 150 of those are over in WA. But we account only for about 0.6 of a percent of the Australian market share at the moment. Market leader, Ray White, probably circa nine and a half, maybe 10%, depending whether you value that on on value or volume. And at 0.6 of a percent, we see just enormous opportunity to grow that significantly. And we're starting to have a lot of fun and enjoyment in in taking those initial steps. What do you find is really unique about the agency to you compared to some of the other brands out there? I love the people in the industry and I love the industry. I think it's a fabulous opportunity for so many young people to be successful. But the industry is, I think, still structured a little bit old-fashioned, almost archaic in some fashion. You know, it's, it's, it's very, very highly fragmented, this industry. And I see an opportunity there for consolidation where there are economies of scale or efficiencies in aggregating together. Now, that's probably contrary to the view of the franchisors out there who build their businesses with tens or hundreds of little entrepreneurs scattered around the different marketplaces. We think that there's a shift toward more the direct model, if I could say that. And that is saying, okay, well, there's a brand here that's offering all of the services for the agents and we'd like to interact directly with the agents rather than having a franchise principle interspersed there. And so that's really the difference in the agency model. Call it company-owned if you like. But really, if you think it through, we're actually franchising directly to the agent but taking that layer out. And we think by aggregating scale, that's going to produce economies of scale. It's enabling us to reward the successful agents with a higher split whilst we're still able to invest in their future growth. There's another major point of difference with our business. I mentioned the word archaic before. 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, when a lot of these businesses were established, It was important to have a physical street presence because that's where people came to transact their real estate needs, whether it be property management, buying or selling. 
But then along came our friends, the portals, and all of a sudden that didn't become so important and certainly the franchise or website, for example, didn't become important. So the question started to be raised about what is the value that's offered by franchisors to the franchisees and to their agents? But importantly, where do we need to be physically located to transact the business of real estate? So at the agency, we believe that we don't need to have an office on every street corner. And we're not, because we're only a very young business at probably circa four years of age, we don't have all of those legacy issues that we need to attend to. So we're more in the business of having what we like to call large hubs. And Bondi, where I'm sitting at the moment, magnificent office here, incredible location. That's our eastern suburbs hub. We have a lower North Shore hub over in Neutral Bay. And we're more about not street front, but I guess upstairs somewhere with a really highly functional workspace, but not one that we go and put down six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars to look beautiful and attract, I'm not sure who, because the customers aren't coming in. Instead of putting that capital to fit outs, we'd like to put that capital toward helping our agents be more productive and more successful. So that's a really big difference where you won't see a proliferation of agency offices in every street corner or suburb. It'll be more hubs and COVID's taught us a lot of lessons, hard lessons, some good lessons. A couple of them are that you don't need to be in a particular office to be at work. But it's also taught us that we do like to hang out with people. And so we're creating spaces that are really functional, that are attractive to people to come and hang out, have their sales meetings, to share views and ideas, but to come and go as you please, hot desking if you like. And we're finding that that's really attractive. Certainly our new business up in Brisbane, in Bowen Hills is structured exactly like that, where it's a collaborative space and we can grow that in a modular fashion. It's not on a street front with a lot of branding, but it's a highly functional work area for our people to come. So I guess that's one of the major differences that you'll see with the agency. Well, you won't see it because we won't be on street fronts. <laughs> yeah. But that's the way that we're structuring our business and we're finding that people are really loving it. I might have to go and find myself a hot desk in Brisbane, actually, because every now and then I've got to go north. So You're so welcome at our beautiful office in Bowen Hills. So I look forward to welcoming you there. Yeah, absolutely. So you've just talked about one change that, that you see unfolding in the industry, which is, you know, that you don't necessarily need a shop front to be successful. What are some of the other changes that you see happening in the industry? You also mentioned COVID then as well, like we've seen massive change in the last year. What are some of the things that you think we'll be seeing in the, in the years to come? That's a good question. You know, prop tech is on everybody's lips, isn't it? And, and being in a leadership position in the industry, we just get inundated with all of these great new ideas about prop tech and the things that are going to make our lives so much more efficient and productive. And there have been some really good things. But largely, a lot of these products that are coming out using technology, they're really just making the archaic process of doing real estate a bit more efficient, or some cases a lot more efficient. But they're not actually attacking the way that the transaction is done and examining a way that it could be done more efficiently. I think we'll continue to see a proliferation of more technology. I do think, or we do think, 
that the roles and functions performed by a real estate agent will start to evolve. So I guess if you consider that we've got a spectrum here of the range of activities that are undertaken by our 50,000 odd real estate agents in the country, and I guess on this left-hand side, where you've got the, uh, the process of, of marketing or prospecting, where we're printing out pieces of paper and folding them and putting them in envelopes and then stuffing them into letterboxes, we call marketing. Right down to the end here of the spectrum that is the pre-settlement inspection. They're all the range of functions that agents or the members of their teams are currently doing. We believe that in the next period of time, whether that be six months, 12 months, three years, five years, the roles and functions undertaken by the agents will be shortened so that a lot of those functions there will be AI'd or artificial intelligenced away and those roles or functions here will be AI'd away. Now that will probably result in less agents but doing the more highly valued things because people keep saying you don't need a real estate agent to undertake real estate transactions, we disagree you will still need agents to do those human tasks and those value add tasks. But there will be technology that AIs away that and AIs away that. So the roles, they'll probably be paid a little bit more for those valued services, but there'll probably be less people doing that. That's a shift that we see coming at us in the next period of time. And is there any sort of artificial intelligence programs or products in particular that you're looking at right now? Yeah, there are. Having been approached by a number of different people and aligning with those and having a reasonably sized business, probably reticent to start to promote any of those. But yeah, definitely. I see artificial intelligence being like electricity in the future. You need electricity to run a computer and you need electricity to run all the things in your office, but it's just going to be something that's there that makes us smarter. We look to embrace that um, and we're excited about that. So, Jeff, we're here today to do part of a series that we call the Leadership Diaries because you've had significant experience in leadership in the industry and we ask the same questions to different leaders in the industry for younger leaders or aspiring leaders or any leaders really in in the industry to learn from people such as yourself. And these are quite quick, rapid-fire questions that you haven't seen yet. So are you ready? I'm as ready as I will be, Sam. <laughs> okay. Well, Matt's done it before and he survived, so he was he was good. So there's there's precedent to say you're going to be fine. Let's see. All right. What was your first job and what did it teach you? Oh, my very first job was a part-time job. I was I lied before. I said I hadn't worked in manufacturing. I was manufacturing what we used to be called sailboards or windsurfers. I was doing that as a part-time job, as, as I say, when I was at school. It taught me about the really harsh world of manufacturing and, and the, the importance of getting processes right, uh, because if you didn't get this part of it right, the next part was going to be uh, negatively impacted. So that was the first thing that I learned about that. And coming from the eastern suburbs of Sydney, it was a little bit of a rude awakening also, working into, walking into a factory and, I guess, being exposed to a whole range of different uh, demographic of people as well. So it taught me about the importance of getting on with team members of part of a big big process. First full-time job, and that was in the airlines, that was with Qantas. And that taught me about a thing called expectations gap. So I left school, I went to start university, and then I thought, I don't really want to go to university, I want to put a suit on and go and get a job. So off I went. 
And I went into a very menial clerical role and I expected to be doing far more things, not quite flying the planes, but making financial decisions about the direction of the company. It taught me about the importance of going back to the rudimentary steps in any business and understanding the very basics of a business before you are properly equipped to make the decisions at the top end of the business. And I think that served me well when I do, as I mentioned before, to go into a new business, to immerse yourself and understand the basics and the key drivers, the things that are influencing people before you're then in a leadership position to start making decisions about the direction of the business. Whilst it was frustrating, it taught me a lot. Geez, you've had some interesting jobs. This <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, what's one common myth about leadership, particularly in this industry, in the real estate industry, that you'd like to set straight? Look, a common myth from the man or the person in the street is that it's really easy to make a lot of money. Uh, and I see that with people that are coming into the industry and they're attracted because they walk past a, a hammer falling and a flag flapping and they go, well, that agent just made $60,000. The amount of time and effort that's put into building your own business as a real estate agent, again, going back to those menial tasks and the processes that need to be undertaken again and again and again, and having to put your head down and be committed to that when your mind is saying, hey, I'm not getting anywhere. You need to, it's a lot of hard work to build what is, what is a sustainable, successful business. So I think that's a myth that people on the outside of the industry think it's an industry where you can make money easily. Indeed, at the moment, it looks like a lot of agents are printing money. Relatively low stock, it's really competitive out there. And so you've got to have built a really resilient business. So I guess the myth there in terms of this industry is that it's easy to make a lot of money. A lot of hard work goes into that. Yeah. What does the first hour of your day look like and how does it go after that? Are you like a a 5am clubber or...? 4.45 is when I get up in the morning. I kind of think if it's got a six in front of it, I feel really lazy. So I'm a person that likes to get up in the morning and get out and exercise. I love being up when it's dark and exercising when it's dark. For some reason, it makes me feel like I've got a step ahead. And my current sport is surf ski paddling, for example. So I'm lucky enough to live near the harbour in Sydney. So I get out there in structured groups and I'm on the harbour when it's dark at five o'clock in the morning and undertaking some cardio exercise out there. So that's pretty much the first hour of my day. Do you sort of still run like an ideal day like an agent might do, or do you do you have a set way that you like to do things during the day? Look, a little bit, certainly not um, as rigid as what an agent would do, but predominantly I'll have a breakfast meeting following that with somebody, sort of three out of my five days or six days, I'm meeting with a different person over breakfast. I find that really efficient. And I'm obviously on the telephone making calls and being in touch with people from, from seven o'clock onwards. So, and then it's normally, yeah, my week is normally structured into team meetings. My executive team, we have a weekly meeting there and then it runs off after that. So look, there is a little bit of rigidity about it in terms of those things, but then things change as it comes along. But certainly the start, 4.45, I find is a really good practice to get into my day and my week. Who are three people who have been the most influential to you in your career and why? Three. Three. My third boss at Qantas, fellow by the name of Ron Rosalki, still remembering this is a little while ago. Why was he such an important influence on me? Smart guy, knew the business. He was the state manager of Qantas and I was his financial analyst. 
It was a sales-based business that he was running, but he knew every aspect of it. And he had the fear into the people, into his team, if they didn't know the answers or if they hadn't done the work. But it was a respectful fear. And I guess I revered him and I learned a lot. I was 20 when I did that role. So a highly passionate guy, enormous energy. And one of the things I remember most about him is when somebody would ask him, how are you, Ron? He'd go, terrific. <laughs> and as a young kid looking at that and that energy, and this was a government bureaucracy back then, that taught me a lot. And I still do it. How are you, Jeff? Fabulous. Terrific. When you do that, it has a really profound impact on the people. They go, wow, really? And you believe it. And then you impart that energy in them as well. So, Ron, thanks, Ron. Fabulous guy. Three, right? Yeah, three. My second one, my father. My father was a lawyer and midway through my career, maybe a little bit before midway, 30% of the way through my career, I got the opportunity to work in his corporate advisory business. I had been a finance director before that with private companies and he was running a corporate advisory business doing mergers and acquisitions, takeovers, Australian Stock Exchange, Corporations Act, etc. He taught me everything I know about all of those things to do with M&A, Corporations Act, listing rules, laws, etc., and the benefits of how to do takeovers and aggregations and mergers. So I was really fortunate to have spent four years with my father in that business because it gave me a platform then to go on and provide those services to a number of companies that I then went on and led. So he's the second person and not in any particular order. But the third one, I was mentioned him before, Matt LaHood. Um, <laughs> no, and seriously, because, and so I was lucky enough to meet with Matt as I do and I immerse myself in a business or an industry when I first started in that industry. And he taught me everything I needed to know and I've learned about the process of real estate and, and the activities of real estate agents. And that has equipped me exceptionally well in my leadership roles over the last 12 years in this industry to know about those key drivers. So yeah, Matt's just for those of you that and most of you do know him. He's a terrific guy who's just got an unending ball of energy. He's passionate about helping people. Uh, and he's a very sincere and loyal person as well. So, so he would be, I think, probably the third person. Yeah. We're always in awe of how generous Matt is with his time and, you know, and helping people out for sure. So looking back at your many and varied experiences, what's one thing you wish you'd known when you began your career or what do you think your biggest learning experience as a leader has been? The importance of making decisions. So many times you see people in leadership positions reluctant to make firm decisions and that doesn't create, I guess, trust, respect, from the people that are supposed to be following them. I've got a view that you're not gonna get all of the decisions that you make right. I've got a view that if you're around about 70%, then that's pretty good. My view is make your 10 decisions, understand that you might get some wrong, say three wrong, learn from them, and then go and make your next 10 decisions and make three wrong and learn from them and go to the next 10. That way, at least you're making decisions, you're moving the organisation forward, you're giving your people direction. And I guess they also see the human side of you when you do make an error and you're showing them that that's how you learn as well. 
better still, you're creating an organisation and a culture of people that then will also act that way and make decisions and you're liberating and empowering them. I think too many people are reluctant to make decisions in case they get it wrong and their board of directors or somebody might judge them harshly, completely against that because no matter how old you are, how much experience you've had, you should always be learning. And that's the way that I learn, by making a call and getting it wrong. That's, that's something I guess that I wish I knew earlier, but I'm really glad that I embrace it now. What's the most important thing you're working on right now and how are you making it happen? Our strategic plan here at the agency. Uh, I mentioned before, this is only a four-year-old business and the founders have done a, an amazing job in making it grow as fast as it has and making this brand as recognisable as they, as they have. But we need a good, solid strategic plan for the next five years and beyond. So right now I'm in the midst uh, you know, I took time to assess the business and I'm in the midst of crafting a strategic plan that's got one, three and five year goals for us all to be aligned to as a leadership team and as a broader organisation to start executing. That's the most important thing I'm doing right now and for the period of the next um, month and a half before we, before we adopt that plan. What is your favourite question to ask someone in a job interview and what does it tell you about them? What do you do outside work? Because we focus so much on what you're going to do here and what you've done in the past, etc. I'm really interested in the sort of person that you're going to be working with. And I guess not many people ask that question. I'm also interested in people as well. And I want to get to know, I think that gives you a bit of a, a good read on how they're going to fit into the culture that you're putting into an organisation. So, yeah, what, what do you do outside of work? And that opens up a whole range of different discussions that you can have with them because you can solve for the technical capabilities from references and from other things and track record, but that's really important, I think. Yeah, see how quickly they build rapport with you. Correct. Yeah. But how do you motivate employees when listings are tight, like listings are quite tight at the moment? You know, there seems to be a lot of buyers around. Things are moving faster at the moment. It's tough yeah. for some people out there. Yeah, it is. I get Matt to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Quick. Problem solved. <laughs> Look, I think, I think whether it's listings are tight, there's a business problem. Listings are tight. The market's tough. There might be an economic downturn. It's about educating people about doing the small things right putting their head down and grafting through and seeing the opportunities that are there when they do continue to do that. Because when the going's tough, that's when you can make market share gains. And so I guess it's a matter of working with people and keeping them focused when the going might be tough to stick to the process, to keep positive and educating them about sticking with it will result in market share gains no matter how tough it is. So I think it's a little bit around that. What words of advice would you have now for agents that might be starting out in this crazy market, like starting their careers? I'll be humble. Be humble. If you're lucky enough to stumble upon a lot of business at the moment and you think that it's easy to generate that and earn a lot of money, keep your humility, be patient, work on your skills. When you've got a following wind and it feels easy, work on your skills then because it's going to change. Don't get carried away with your own success that you're having remain grounded yeah 
good advice. When it comes to learning, what are some of the resources or books that have helped you along the way? We love to get a few recommendations that we can put in the show notes and on our resources page for for people. So I imagine you've read quite a few. Yeah, I have. So I'm a I'm a kind of a growth person. More than I'm not kind of a growth person. I am a growth person. You're a hardcore growth person, I would say. Yeah, I'm not interested in working for an organisation that's in scale down or in maintenance mode. Not interested at all, because I'm interested in opportunities and in in extracting those opportunities for the owners of the business, but really most importantly for the people within the business and to see them grow and give them empowerment and opportunity. I love that. That's what gets me up in the morning. Vern Harnish. Not sure whether agents have read much about his he's got a business a book by the name of scaling up and he's fabulous in terms of techniques tools examples of how to unlock potential in businesses so i'm a big fan of verns and he's probably the one that i refer to most in terms of a book that i've read about really drilling into the opportunities for businesses i I like mentors as well i've probably had four maybe five in my career And I think as much as books and and, and research are useful, to have a human being that's been down the path to be able to carve out, and I've been really lucky, some of the people that I've been able to have access to, to really, I guess, sit down and chew the fat and have them as mentors. So mentors are really important throughout your career as well. So that's another way that I kind of keep learning. Well, Jeff, it's been amazing. Thank you for generously sharing your knowledge with us today and a bit of an insight into where you're going with the agency. If there was one piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with today, what would it be? To your broad audience, I guess guess one of my philosophies is, is it's a long game. And that gets back to the comment I made before about expectations gap. And I'm lucky enough to have you know, now adult children who I've seen come through the school system, through the university system, and then go into employment. I think today's generations are kind of instant generations and they're looking for immediate success. I guess it's the mantra that it is a long game. Don't try and get it all too quickly and immediately. Be a little bit strategic about what you're trying to achieve. Listen. You know, one of my leadership traits is to listen. Yeah, you're smiling because I'm going to say it again. One of my favourite sayings is one that comes from my mother and she still says it to me. It's that you've got two of these and one of those and you should use them in that proportion. It's about listening. You hear a lot of rubbish, but you get some great gems and be patient in terms of listening because there's a lot of great stuff out there. So that's one of my, one of my things that I would say to young people as well take the time and and, and listen. Yeah, such an important skill, definitely. Jeff Lucas, thank you so much. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much, Sam. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit eliteagentelevate.com. 